the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. No true Christian will ultimately ever say, that's it. I tried Jesus, and I'm disappointed in him, and I'm turning my back on him permanently. None will ever do that. We're so glad you've joined us today on Verse by Verse Radio, a ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel. If you're ever in the Clearwater area, we invite you to join us for one of our services. To learn more about the church, you can give us a call at 727-441-1714 or just visit our website, lakesidechapel.com. Do you remember the great gospel song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus, No Turning Back, No Turning Back? Can a true believer in Christ turn back from following Christ? This is a very important topic that Pastor Steve is teaching on today. That's why it is so important to study the scriptures and see what God says. If you are struggling with doubt, fear, maybe even discouragement, this is a message you don't want to miss. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Verse by Verse. Let's open our Bibles once again to 1 John, John's first letter. And I want to read to you the entire passage, starting at verse 18, going through verse 27 of chapter 2. We started this several weeks ago. Lord willing, we will conclude our study on the test of truth. Verse 18, John writes, Chogrim, It is the last hour, and just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this, we know that it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. I'm not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ, this is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise which He Himself made to us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you receive from Him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as His anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in Him. For the past few weeks, we have been working our way through this passage by recognizing that it was intended by John to be a test. It was a test that believers like us could take in order to help us have the assurance of salvation. And like most of the content of John's letter, these verses reveal that there really is a stark contrast between unbelievers and believers. 
This has been John's pattern throughout this letter so far, and we'll see it continue, as he seeks to assure true Christians that they really are different, they really are distinct from false but professing Christians, that is, people who profess to know Christ, but they really don't know him. There really is a difference, and it's these very differences that John wants us to to understand that prove that indeed we have been converted. We evidence certain things in our lives by the way we live, by the way we talk, by the way we think, by the way we behave, that demonstrate we really have been regenerated and our lives indicate that. And so, in looking at these various tests offered by John so far, we can easily see the obvious contrast that he draws between those who are believers, those who are unbelievers, just by the very things he says about them, and in some cases, what he calls them. For example, notice in chapter 1, he says that false believers who deny that they have any sin, they actually deceive themselves. They are deceivers. They have deceived themselves. Chapter 1, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We're lying to ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves. That's unbelievers. But in contrast, John goes on to say, true believers not only admit their sin, they take it a step further. They confess their sin. They agree with God that they have sinned. They repent of their sin. Verse 9. If we... We being in contrast to those who deceive themselves by saying they have no sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that is one contrast. We don't deceive ourselves. We admit that we are sinners and we confess our sin. Then in chapter 2, he calls those who claim to know Christ but don't obey him liars. On the other hand, he says believers... They're not liars. They actually love God. Notice chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. He said, The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. The truth is not in him. This person not only deceives himself, as John said before, the unbeliever, but he actually is a liar. He doesn't just lie. He is a liar. No matter what he says about his profession, if he has no interest in obedience at all, He's lying. He's lying. On the other hand, John says in verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Believers, on the other hand, do obey God. They demonstrate by their obedience that they love him. They're not lying. They're obedient and they love God. Then in chapter 2, notice verses 9 and 10, what he has to say, the contrast there. Verse 9, the one who says... He is in the light and yet hates his brother, is in the darkness until now. Unbelievers are in the darkness. They walk in the darkness. They don't walk in truth, he means. He's not talking about physical darkness. He's talking about truth. And he says, though, in verse 10, on the other hand, the one who loves his brother abides in the light. There is no cause for stumbling in him. So, unbelievers walk in darkness. Believers walk in the light. It's a contrast. Then in chapter 2, verse 15, When he says, do not love the world, nor the things in the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. John here draws a contrast again. Unbelievers love the world. That's what he's saying. They love the system. They're part of the system. They love the world. While believers do not love the world as a lifestyle, but they do love the Father. So, John has been giving us contrast. Those are just some of 
the stark contrast that John draws between Christians and non-Christians who claim to be Christians. But nowhere is John more pointed and nowhere is John more direct about the distinction between the lost and the, the saved as he is in the passage that we have been studying for several weeks. See, this test that we've been going through is the test of doctrine. It's the test of sound doctrine, specifically doctrine concerning the person of Jesus Christ. And it's here that John is extremely blunt. I mean, John is just a blunt guy, and you can see this throughout his his letter, but he's really blunt here. It's here that John is so blunt because in pointing out the differences between the, the Gnostic false teachers who rejected the New Testament truth that Jesus Christ is one person who is both God and man and the true believer who accepts that truth about Christ, John says things that he doesn't say anywhere else. He is extremely, extremely pointed. Notice what John calls these Gnostic teachers. He pulls no punches here, folks. Verse 18, he calls them antichrists. They are so opposed to Christ, they are labeled antichrists, just like the future world ruler who is the antichrist. Verse 18, children, it's the last hour, just as you heard that antichrist is coming, even now many antichrists have appeared. The antichrists are the false teachers, the Gnostics, who said that everything was about their enlightenment. They're saved by their knowledge. But they're Antichrist, John says. Secondly, he calls them liars. Liars, verse 22. Who is the liar? I told you last week he's talking about not just a lie here, but the liar in the sense that it's so bad, it's so horrible, this lie, because it, it gets at the heart of Christianity. Who is Christ? It is called the lie that, that really that Satan propagates through these false teachers. Who is the liar? Then notice, we'll see this in verse 26. He calls them deceivers or really seducers. Verse 26, these things I have written to, to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. So they are antichrist, they are liars, the liars, and they are seducers. Now, that's pretty hard language. That's tough language to use against anyone. But John, understand this, John is compelled to write like this because these Gnostic heretics not only rejected the truth about Jesus Christ, that is the heart of the gospel, who he is. They rejected the gospel and the truth about Christ, but they were attempting to deceive these dear Christians, true Christians, about their error. They wanted to pull them away from the kingdom of God into the kingdom of darkness. Pull them away from Christ and the gospel of grace into their wicked Gnosticism. And so, not only does John want his readers, and by application us, to see the despicable nature of these Gnostics, but he also wants us to know that as believers, we're thoroughly different from them. We're distinct. We're not like them because we are saved. This is not our righteousness. This is the outworking of the righteousness of Christ in us and just the evidence of regeneration. And John tells us here that one proof that we have been saved is that we relate to the truth of the gospel properly. We have the right relationship with the truth as opposed to the Gnostics who had completely an improper way of relating to the truth about Christ. And so for the last few weeks, we've seen that John unfolds his message about doctrinal fidelity by laying out for us, and this is where we've been going, this is the track we've been on, four ways that all true believers relate to the truth. Four ways that all genuine believers
believers relate to the truth. The truth meaning the truth about Christ, the truth about the gospel. First of all, John has told us that unlike the Gnostics who left the fellowship of God's people because they didn't find a receptive audience for their heresies in these Bible-believing churches, true Christians, on the other hand, number one, this is how we relate to the truth, and I'm just reviewing, we know the truth. Gnostics do not. That's why they reject it. We know the truth. And, and the key for us to understand this is verses 20 and 21. They say this, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, you in contrast to them. They left the church. They left the fellowship of God's people. They don't have a clue as to the truth. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you all know. He means you all know the truth of the gospel. And then he says in verse 21, I've not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know the truth. You know it. And I know that you know it. And because no lie is of the truth. So don't listen to them. They don't know what they're talking about. You do know the truth. Now the point is this. We know the truth as believers. We know the truth about Jesus Christ because the Holy Spirit has enlightened our understanding of who Christ is. He, he is the anointing. The Holy Spirit is the anointing. At salvation, He came to reside in us. He opened our minds, the eyes of our understanding, so that we understand who Jesus Christ is and what He's done for us on the cross. Now, there is always room to grow in our understanding. You never reach a point where you say, I know all there is to know about Christ. I know all there is to know about the gospel. But that's not what John is saying. What John is saying is that you know the basics. You know who He is. Unlike the Gnostics, you don't separate the Christ from Jesus. You know that He is God who became a human. You understand that He died on the cross for your sins. You know that. And the reason you know that, regardless of your academic limitations, is because you have the anointing. You know the truth because you have been saved and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. He's the resident truth teacher. So listen, if you know the truth about Christ, it's only because you are saved and the Holy Spirit lives within you. Therefore, He has taught you sound doctrine about Jesus. That is part of the basis for your assurance of salvation. You didn't just figure this out on your own. The Holy Spirit illuminated this truth to you. But not only do we know the truth, John proceeds to tell us a second way that all genuine Christians relate to the truth. Not only do they know the truth, they believe it. They believe the truth. They embrace the truth. Notice verses 22 and 23. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. Now we looked at this, and let me quickly tell you what he's saying. In contrast to the Gnostics who propagated the satanic lie that Jesus was only a man, and that something, we know this from their later writings, this is what they held to, that something called the Christ Spirit, whatever that may be, Christ Spirit came upon this Jesus of Nazareth at his baptism, was with him for a few years on earth, and then left him just before the cross. That's what they were propagating. Unlike the Gnostics, true believers not only know the truth about Jesus, we believe it. We believe the truth about Jesus Christ, that He is fully divine, full deity, full humanity. And the genuineness of a true believer's faith is seen in the fact that they publicly confess their faith in Christ. They publicly. That, that's what, look at verse 23 
Again, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. He's talking about we are not ashamed to confess that we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We are not silent about this. People know that we're Christians. Now, that doesn't mean that we haven't failed Him at times in speaking up for the Lord. All of us would say there are times I'm ashamed that I didn't proclaim Him, that I wasn't more bold. But that's not what John is talking about. He's talking about true believers are known as those who do confess in Christ. We confess Him as our Lord and Savior. We give testimony at baptism. Our lives give testimony that we know Him. So, do you do that? Is that true of you? Do you let others know that you believe in Jesus as your Lord? Or are you so ashamed of Him that you never, ever confess Him before others? That people at work don't know that you're Christian? People you go to school with, they don't know that you're Christian? If that's the case where you never speak of Him and you're ashamed of Him, then that's always the case, then you don't know Him. You don't know Him. True believers know the truth. They believe the truth to the point where they confess Jesus as Lord. As we continue and conclude our study of these verses, we have come to the third and fourth ways that John says that believers relate to the truth. And the third way that Christians relate to the truth is that they continue in the truth. They continue in the truth. They know the truth. They believe the truth. They continue in the truth. Verse 24. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and the Father. Now in this one verse, notice that John uses the word abide. That's how it's translated in my Bible. Abide three times. Twice he speaks about letting what they heard from the beginning abide in them. And once he speaks about abiding in the Son and in the Father. So obviously the concept of abiding is an important truth that John is conveying. It's sort of the point of this statement. So what does he mean by abiding in the truth? Well, basically the Greek word abide means to remain or to continue. It also carries the thought of being at home in the sense that the truth dwells in you and it's part of your life. It's not foreign to you. It has found a home in your life. In other words, abiding in the truth means to continue believing and living out the truth of the gospel. Now, that is an important concept when it comes to the assurance of our salvation because the New Testament says that Christians will continue in the truth of the gospel. That is to say, they will remain loyal to it throughout their lives. In other words, they will never abandon it and forsake it, not permanently. They will never fall away from the truth and apostatize. An apostate is someone who said, yes, I I held to the truth once. I believed like you, but I I put that stuff away and I I reject it. No true Christian, John says, will ever do that. They won't do that. Jesus said one of the great strong statements about perseverance of believers. That's what this is. They persevere. They continue no matter what. He said in John 8, 31, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. Not those who just profess they know me and for a few weeks they're gung-ho. But if you continue in my word, then you can know that you're really one of my disciples. Continuance. And I take it that, that what the Lord means by this is you continue in my word through all of the ups and downs in life. Anybody can say praise the Lord when things are going well. 
It's when things are not going well and you still cling to the Word of God. Like the psalmist we read in Psalm 119. No matter what happened to him, he said, your word is what I'm after. That's the proof of a, of a disciple. No matter what happens, no matter what tragedies come in your life, you will continue in the word. You won't say, that's it. I'm throwing in the towel. I tried Christianity. It doesn't work. I'm moving on. Jesus said, John is saying, no true believer ever does that. Now, that's not to say that sinfully we don't get uh, upset at times, and we may very well be upset at the Lord and question why he's doing this in our lives. But no true Christian will ultimately ever say, that's it. I tried Jesus, and I'm disappointed in him, and I'm turning my back on him permanently. None will ever do that. That's what John is saying here. You continue in my word. He exhorts these people to let the truth that they heard from the beginning abide or remain in them. Now, what truth is he referring to? And what beginning is he talking about? It is the truth of the gospel, the message of salvation. It is the saving message about Jesus Christ. And they heard this. They heard this. He said from the beginning, the beginning he's talking about is when the people first witnessed to him. When they first, whoever witnessed them, it may have been John himself, from the beginning of your Christian days, the message that was brought to you, that is to say that what you heard from the beginning, you're going to continue with that. You're going to abide in that. Those who do allow the truth of the gospel to continue living in and through them, John says, they will abide in the Son and in the Father. In other words, those who continue in the truth are saved because those are the ones who continue, continue experiencing Intimate fellowship with the Son, that is Jesus and the Father. And to those who do abide in the Son and in the Father, because they continue in the truth, John states that the result is they have eternal life. Now, they're not continuing in order to get eternal life. And this isn't a works salvation. He's just saying you do continue. You do continue in the truth. And in continuing in the truth, you do continue abiding in the Father and the Son. And you do have eternal life. Verse 25, this is the promise which He Himself made to us, eternal life. What a precious truth. This is the promise He made to us, eternal life. Now by eternal life, please understand folks, that John doesn't mean that eternal life starts the moment you die. Some, some Christians think that. I will get eternal life. No, eternal life begins the moment you receive Christ. If you're a Christian, you have eternal life. When you die, that eternal life just continues in heaven, where you are with the Lord. And the proof that you presently have eternal life is that you continue in the truth. Now, I want to stop here for a moment and consider the ramifications of what John is teaching. He's telling us that every true Genuine Christian keeps on believing and living by the very same truth he embraced at the start of his experience with Christ. That, that's a tremendous truth. In other words, the gospel message that you received years ago, maybe you've, I don't know how long all of us have been saved, but some of you have been saved for years and years and years. That very same message that you received, perhaps when you were a very young person and now you're a very old person, you will continue to believe what you heard from the beginning. You will continue to believe all of your life and you will never forsake it. That is remarkable. That's the work of the Spirit of God in your life. That's the proof of salvation. You didn't deviate from it. You won't deviate from it. What that tells us about believers in Christ is this. It tells us that perseverance 
in the truth of the gospel is one of the distinguishing marks of a Christian. All true believers hold tenaciously to the truth about Christ and the message of salvation, regardless of how many people try to persuade you to abandon the truth for some other message. You may get it from family. You may get it from family. You may get it from friends who say, I don't understand, don't believe this. Or I know there are Jewish people who, when Jewish young men, Jewish young ladies come to faith in Christ, often their parents say, I want to take you to speak to our rabbi. There have been others who have said, I want to take you to a psychiatrist. I want to, want to straighten you out. But you will never abandon the truth that you're truly saved. That's the glory of it. Thanks for joining us for Verse by Verse today. This radio ministry is listener-supported, so we depend upon the generous gifts of listeners to help us keep these radio Bible classes on the air. If you would like to partner with us in broadcasting the life-changing truths of God's Word, please give us a call at 727-239-0306. As we say goodbye today, remember what Pastor Steve said, if we put our faith in Christ, we receive eternal life the moment we believe, not the moment we die. A true Christian will remain faithful to the end. That gives us a lot to think about. Join us next time here on Verse by Verse. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.